0: In a world where every diet you know is wrong. Well, not every diet. I mean... Yes, but almost everything doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but... Shut up. One man stands alone. Well, not completely. I mean... It's time for Adam Martin, the No Breakfast Guy, and Let's Talk Fast. Fasting, fitness, and fat loss. What's going on guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. Hope you are all well. I am currently tucked up in the front room. Anna is down asleep. Amelia is watching TV. Wifey is asleep as well. So it is a nice quiet Saturday afternoon as I sit here and record this. I hope you've all had a fantastic week. Uh, My last week has been quite positive uh, we're still stuck in the midst of one of the world's most toughest lockdowns uh, with regards to the coronavirus. But hopefully it should be over soon enough and we will be out and about again. But that all said, guys, uh, I posted a question box a little while back asking about supplements and if people would like to hear me talk about My use of supplements, what I currently use, what I have tried, what I would recommend, what I'd stay well clear of. Uh, And the overriding response was yes. And then I said to you guys, well, what do you want to hear me talk about? And basically, the kind of main ones that got repeated were talking about protein powders, probably the most commonly used um, supplements out there. Talking about pre-workouts, looking at BCAAs, uh, vitamin D, collagen powders multivitamins and creatine. And so let's just kind of go through those. Uh, I will say all my notes are down in uh, below. If you ever want to ask me a question about any particular supplements, please feel free to give me an email. Jump over on our Instagram at the no breakfast guy with underscores between them all. And feel free to slide into my DMs and ask me questions as well. Always happy to answer any questions you have. If you don't hear me talk about a particular supplement today or if you've got any further questions uh, about anything you do here today, As well, guys, could you smash that five-star rating for me if you are on iTunes? And then just spend 30 seconds to give me a quick little positive review if you found this episode to be of value to you. And lastly, so you never miss out on another future episode, make sure you hit subscribe no matter whether you're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or whatever you're listening to it on. Hit that subscribe and you'll always be updated on knowing when my next podcast is out. For the user being, for you, oh my God, for you guys who have been around for a while, um, will know I always put out my podcast on every Monday. All right, let's get our, all of that out of the way and let's just dive straight into the podcast this week. And I want to kind of just give a little preface, 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 how you want to say it, um, to this one is that. Most of what I'm going to talk about today is coming from a pre-existing um, kind of standpoint of I've tried most of these. I get some backlash sometimes with people saying, well, you know, how do you bad mouth something, Adam, when you've never tried it? And that's a very valid point. But most things that you see being sold today, I have fallen victim to in the past. And when I say fallen victim to, a lot of those um, kind of supplements and things that we get told are essential to help with fat loss or you must have before a workout or kind of post-workout kind of nutrition and things like that. Believe me, guys, I've done it all. I've wasted my money on so many different things over the years for the thought that there is some hack or shortcut to kind of helping produce a better result or help you perform better so I have been there I've used most of these products so I just want to kind of really be upfront and honest with that that most of the stuff I'm going to talk about today whether I talk about it positively or negatively I've been there before and I've used and just to kind of go onto the surface I'm not going to go into like depth on them but the first one I want to kind of talk about is fat burners I want to say from the outset, you know, if you've heard of any of my content in the past, there is no such thing as a fat burner. These fat burners mostly are just a really high caffeine based supplement make your heart rate go through, gives you that elevated sense of you know energy and kind of buzz, for lack of a better word. So it gives you this sense that, oh, my metabolism must be going through the roof and I'm going to be burning all these extra calories and it's going to be helping me melt that fat. It's absolute garbage. There is no such thing as a fat burner. Fat loss comes from being in a calorie deficit. And having these fat burner kind of supplements or pills or whatever you kind of want to take, is not going to aid that process in any way, shape, or form. So let's just get clear. Fat burners, put away your wallet. Do not buy them. If you've got any now, throw them out. They're of no use to you whatsoever. And do, and I hope you never fall for some sort of cheesy marketing from some ripped girl, ripped guy sitting there saying, the only reason I'm looking the way I am is because I took these fat burners. They do not work And any kind of product on the market, that whether they market it as a fat burner or not, if it's saying it is burning fat or helping to aid fat loss, it absolutely does not. That goes for L-carnitine, that goes for apple cider vinegar, green tea extract, any kind of thing that you've been told in the past is a fat burner or helps with fat burning, none of them work, stay well clear, save your money. So I've got that out uh, out at the front. I hope that makes you guys... Kind of take note and stop buying these products because I still get asked about them. And so I don't know how much more clearly I can say it. There are no fat burners, none of them work. You cannot help with fat loss through a supplement. So that's clear. Let's get into more kind of commonly used kind of, um, I guess, products and let's talk about them. Protein powder, I think it's probably the uh, most used supplement out there. And people, you know, have the question of are they. Of use Do I, you know, must I use them? Are they absolutely necessary? And from the outset, I'm going to sit there and say they are absolutely not necessary, but they can be very helpful in giving you a convenient and cheap way to increase your protein intake. Time and time again, when I'm working with a new client, setting up some sort of nutritional plan for them, especially with women joining my 5 in 10 fat loss and lifestyle program, almost every single person starting out is not eating anywhere near enough protein. Some people are eating underneath half of what I would recommend. And so there's many people going around and obviously averages are averages, but Most people are having around about 40 to 50 grams of protein a day when most females probably should be around that kind of 100 to 120 grams and most males should probably be around the 120 to kind of 160 grams uh, of protein per day. Now. I work on the uh, presumption that most people should start at around 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. I've said this in previous podcasts and kind of in my own content and what I've been talking about for years, in that if you have over 20 kilos of weight to lose, you should work your 1.5 grams per kilogram on what your goal weight is going to be. So if you should be 60 kilos and you're currently sitting around about 90 kilos, don't work on a 1.5 grams per 90. Work on, well, if you want to get to 60, go at 1.5 times 60 to give you kind of, uh, you know, your protein targets. Whereas if you have under 20 kilograms to lose, so if you're you know you 10 to 15 kilos overweight, I'd work on that uh, scale of where you currently are because having extra protein is never going to be a bad thing. Having a higher protein diet filled with obviously all plenty of, plant-based and nutrient-dense type foods as well, and protein, we're talking about animal source or plant source, I don't care where it's coming from, but there is no downside to having a higher protein-based diet, so work on that upper scale and try and start upping your protein, and while I always emphasize the point is that you should be getting it through mostly the food that you're getting, uh, sorry, the food that you're eating And this is why these things are called supplements. So they should be supplementing your diet. If you are falling short by a good 40 or 50 grams per day, getting a scoop or scoop and a half of a protein powder, again, animal product or a a plant-based product, will very easily give you that 30 to 40 extra grams of protein per day. Super cheap really cost, um, really efficiently and effectively and very quick to kind of get that in in a shake, whether you do it in water, whether you do it in milk, or however you want to kind of ingest it. There's a whole heap of other products these days as well. The other day, I actually even saw a protein custard, and it looked absolutely delicious. And someone was kind of saying, you know, it, it tastes just like custard. It looks like a dessert. You can have it with some berries, or you can put some banana in there, or whatever it might be. So it's just another way of kind of getting some sort of protein supplement in, and so from the out, you know, from the outset, we're going to say protein um, supplements are absolutely not necessary, but they can be very helpful to kind of helping people up their protein. And I would say initially, getting a protein powder in just to get that protein up, it's and especially if you're looking to try and lose weight, you're going to be fuller for longer. It's much more satiating, and you'll kind of find it easier to maintain that calorie deficit if you're getting that protein in. And then over time, as you start looking at the food you're eating, you can start to decrease the amount of protein powder you're having because you're going to start looking at different foods that you can then eat that are higher in protein, start incorporating lower calorie, more nutrient-dense type plant-based products, you know, fruits and veggies and grains and things like that, and substituting those products for maybe some of the higher calorie higher fatty higher carb based foods you might be having not that i got anything wrong with rices and pastas and sauces and things like this but those things are, are going obviously going to be much higher in calories they're going to be lower in protein and so your ability to get in the kind of number of or kind of the amount of protein that you want per day while still having big portions of those is going to be Making it a much more difficult prospect to get that protein in, to stay in your calorie target. And so starting out with a protein powder can make that a much easier proposition to start with. And then you can just slowly be chipping away of adding more protein-based foods into your diet and bringing down those other ones that aren't so high in protein. So absolutely going to help out. And I would recommend almost everyone to be having a protein powder of some description personally personally. Again, let's make this personal. What would I? What would I know? I've been taking protein powders for years. I'd say five or six years ago, I was taking two to three scoops a day, having you know forty to sixty grams worth of protein in a protein powder form. And I would I normally try and hit around hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty grams. I currently sit at about seventy kilos. So we're kind of looking at, you know, if I was looking at one and a half, that's about a 110 grams per day I should be getting. But I like being, again, on that higher end side. So I'm around that 120, 130 grams personally. So I was getting half of my content through protein powder. And then for dinner, if I had, you know, a chicken stir fry or I had, uh, um, you know, a, A chili bowl, or whatever I kind of you know, some fish or whatever it might be having, I'd very easily then be able to get kind of another forty or fifty grams from that serving, and then any snacks I might have, I might have a a, you know a yogurt and berries in the afternoon. That yogurt's going to have protein in it, and um, obviously some nice fresh berries are just going to be low in calories there. So very easily hitting um, my protein targets when using that protein uh, powder these days. I would have. I'd say on average per week, I probably have about five scoops of protein powder. There's some days where I don't hit my protein, uh, you know, get my protein in uh, through protein powder, uh, and I'm probably you know around the kind of ninety to hundred grams of protein. And there's other days where I will have you know two scoops on one day and be upwards of 140 grams of protein uh, for the whole day. And so it just averages out that I reckon I'm having about five scoops per week uh, nowadays. Now, the other one, the other big thing I want to say about protein powder is you will see it marketed as you know, male-only protein powder or a female-only protein powder, or it might be like a shred protein powder or a max gain protein powder. I want to just kind of just make a... I guess, uh, distinguishment between all of those. So you can kind of say, okay, well, you know, is there a benefit to, you know, I'm female, should I be leaning towards a female protein powder? There is absolutely no difference between male and female protein powders in the base. So every protein powder, if you're looking at an animal based product is being made out of whey, which is the leftovers from cheese and then they dry it all down. And so that whole product of kind of making whey powder and, It's then added with flavors and different things, obviously, like that. But they're pretty much all the same. And then from there, you might find that some female uh, protein powders then have some vitamins and nutrients in it that might lend towards a female. And then the male ones just won't have those vitamins in it. So I would sit there and say, don't waste your money. Get those vitamins and nutrients that, you know, they're saying are female kind of, you know, directed towards through the foods that you're eating. Don't try and pay extra just because, you know, it's marketed as a special formula blend for females only. So I'd sit there and say get the baseline protein powder. Personally, I use Optimum Nutrition uh, Gold Standard Whey. It's relatively cheap. They've got some great flavors Uh, And mine's a whey isolate. So that's the last bit I kind of want to talk about. There's whey isolate and whey concentrate. Now, whey isolate has very low carbohydrates, very low fats, and it's almost entirely protein. It doesn't taste as good. But personally, I have it with milk, some bananas, some berries, Uh, maybe some honey as well. So I'm getting the carbohydrates and the sweetness through those additional things I have. The kind of upside of an isolate is they're much lower on calories. And so while they don't taste as good, they're much lower on calories, much higher percentage-wise on protein. But the taste can be a little bit bleh. Um, I find, as I said, the whey isolate, uh, Optum Nutrition, great. I love that flavor. As I said, I have it with some fruits and honey in there anyway. But a whey concentrate has less protein in it as a percentage of the total and it's got more carbohydrates and a little bit more fat in it and that's where the extra flavor comes in. Like, whey concentrates almost taste like ice cream and like a really good milkshake. Like, they're absolutely delicious but they do tend to be higher in calories. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you can make that fit into your daily routine and your daily you know, calories and things like that, then absolutely go for it. But personally, I'm not a big one for drinking my calories. I like to eat my calories. So my protein powder is there for a pure reason to get some protein in. I'm not usually using it as a way to, oh, I'm going to have a really nice kind of smoothie or something today. Now, sometimes I do, but normally it's just there. I've got to get a get a, get a a good uh, hit of protein in, I always use two scoops, some milk, maybe as I said a banana and some um, honey or something or some berries and some honey, whizz it up and then get it down. Nice and easy way of getting in that protein but they're the two differences between the concentrate and isolate, lean towards whatever you want and then it comes down to personal taste um, and preference. So have a mix around, most uh, like supplement stores these days have you know samples of different One, So you could just go to the counter and say, hey, you know, what have you used? What do you really like? Or go to forums and, you know, ask me, you know, I've I've been, I've I've tried a heap of them in the past as well, but whatever it might be, try a few before you kind of commit to like a big tub because the big tubs are where the the money is saved. If you're buying little small tubs, you're paying an absolute fortune for the same product that you could just get in a big kind of bulk. So play around with them, find what you best love, what your best flavor is, what you kind of, what brand you like and uh, go from there. If we now move on from protein, we're going to talk about pre-workouts. Um, they've come a long way. There used to be um, a pro- or products on the market uh, a while ago. They were a mixture of kind of most of these pre-workouts are just basically a massive dose of uh, pro- uh, sorry, protein. A massive dose of caffeine. And that's what's giving you that buzz. And research has shown time and time again that caffeine is a potent stimulant. It can be really good at helping performance. Uh, in the endurance athlete as well, it might help use fuel uh, fat as a higher percentage of fuel, so it can help with endurance uh, training. Don't hear that and go, oh, if it's burning more fat, does that mean it's helping with fat loss? No, it just means it's helping use fat as a fuel to help fuel your exercise. And when you're doing long in long endurance-based type training, uh, sorry, exercise, using fat as a fuel is a very, very good way of helping you kind of exercise for longer. If your exercise is kind of under an hour, using fat as a fuel is kind of a waste of time. You want that readily available carbohydrate-based type um, fuel. So caffeine in kind of helping use fat as a fuel in that sense is not going to be of any use to you whatsoever. But because it's a stimulant, and if you're doing a really high-intensity CrossFit session or like a you know a hit or an F forty five circuit or something like that. You want that kind of stimulant to kind of boost you up and kind of get you g'd up and get you going. Now, they also used to have uh, other additives into them that would kind of give you that pump. And I'm trying to remember the name of the product, um, but a lot of it got banned. And I used to use a, a product uh, t- ten years ago in my training. Um, And it was called White Lightning. And I've never taken kind of stimulant-type drugs, but from people I know and work with and have been around and have said have taken this White Lightning product um, as a pre-workout, said it makes you feel very much like you're on drugs and kind of it just... And I used to... if I would take it after lunchtime, I almost couldn't sleep that night because my brain was still racing from the huge amounts of caffeine that were in it, plus some of the other additives that just kind of really got you buzzed up. And so uh, I, become, I became to like rely on these products to like I needed this to kind of give me the buzz to kind of give a workout, like to give the best kind of workout feeling. But when I actually started tracking my workouts, I still had the ebbs and flows of I'd have bad days and good days and kind of how much I was lifting or how fast I was running or whatever my training was for that day. The ibs and flows were still there, but my sensation in my head was that I was always having the best workout ever, but then I'd look over you know, where my lifts were that day or where my run was that day, and it wasn't kind of matching where my head was because my brain was just going to 1,000 miles an hour thinking that I was having this amazing workout, and you know, there's sports psychologists and nutritionists and exercise science that spends millions of dollars a year and hours upon hours and trying to uh, talk about arousal levels and stimulants and kind of getting ex um, their their athletes at a kind of excitement level that and it kind of you know what that you know curve that there's so much excitement that kind of can happen that allows you to perform better and better and better, but at some point too much actually starts decreasing your performance and so. Just throwing down a pre-workout and thinking that you're just going to be the best um, performer you can be um, is just not going to be the case. And at the end of the day, these products, as I said, are basically just a massive caffeine-filled product. And so I've found these days, I recommend to most of my clients, if they want a pre-workout, again, not that it's necessary, and I'll go back to that in a second, just have a coffee. You know, whether it's a little espresso shot because you know you don't want to probably a big latte or you know frappuccino or something like that where you're gonna have a lot of liquid sitting in your tummy before you are going for a, a workout but having like a little black shot uh, espresso type coffee 30 minutes to an hour before exercise can give you that hit of caffeine get you buzzed up get you excited and get you ready to go but the big key factor and this is where I wanted to come back to it and what I was saying before is that caffeine like many drugs, does you do start to become desensitized to it to the point where you need more and more and more to get that same excitement and kind of you know buzz from it and so if you are using these products, I would highly recommend cycling on and off them so you might go on to a pre-workout if you've got a really high intensity workout if you know this is the big workout or you're coming into a phase, where the next kind of you know, week to two weeks is going to be a really big set and you really need a lot of um, you know, energy and kind of focus and being dialed in, then that might be the time that you really kind of go big on a pre-workout or a coffee before exercise or whatever it might be. But then as you start to kind of taper off or you're going through more of a recovery phase or whatever it might be where your exercise um, kind of intensity is reduced, then there's no real need to kind of get yourself buzzed up. You don't or you shouldn't be aiming to try and hit a personal best at every single workout. That's not the aim of exercise. You go through different phases. You should be up at certain times. You should be down at certain times. You should be in a recovery phase, a building phase, whatever it might be. But you're going ups and downs. And you know the best athletes in the world do, so why should you be expecting Yourself to kind of perform at your very best and hit a PB at every single workout. It's just not how the body works. It's not how you're going to work effectively. And in fact, you are going to actually do worse in your training if you're always trying to do everything to failure or always try and lift as big as you can. So be careful on pre-workouts. I think personally, these days, they're a waste of money. You know, you can get, uh, you know, what are those Nespresso little pods? You know, buying a heap of them and I mean, it doesn't even have to be an espresso, which is the quality brand. Get some of the cheap rip-offs of those. And those things can be 20 or $0.30 cents a pod. And so just throw that in, a bit of water. There's your kind of espresso coffee. And it's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than any of these pre workouts are going to be. But whether you use a pre workout or you're using a coffee or some sort of caffeine stimulant, you know, you can, there's there's caffeine pills these days. Um, you know, green tea uh, extract and things like that uh, have caffeine in them as well. So all of those caffeine derived type pre workouts, you can use them. But I would use them as a cycling type nature of coming on them and coming off them so you don't get desensitized to the caffeine and that when you do need them, having that caffeine, you're getting the biggest bang for your buck and really getting, um, I guess, potent with that kind of performance um, you know, outcome that you, I guess, everything around this is kind of what it's geared towards and trying to perform better and do better in your workout. So that's my two cents on pre-workouts. If we move forward to BCAAs, again, something I used to consume at You know, huge uh, quantities. I would make sure that, especially while I was fast, that I was having BCAAs because you know I had to kind of preserve my muscle. And I've heard all these things. You may have heard them, and I've fallen victim to all of the things that have been said around BCAAs. When I looked a little deeper, and I wasn't kind of just looking at the surface line uh, headlines and what you know, ripped dudes on uh, Instagram were saying. I learned the lesson that let's just kind of go into what a BCAA is at the moment. Uh, is at first place, is branch chain amino acids. B-C-A-A. Basically, branch chain amino acids, in particular the essential branch chain amino acids, are the ones that our body can't make themselves, and they are the building blocks to helping you build or maintain your lean muscle mass. Without the essential amino acids, your body cannot build muscle, and so you have to have a, a diet that has not only protein in it, but protein from a variety of sources that contains all of these essential amino acids. Now, this is when we start talking about plant-only diets and animal-only, or not animal-only, but animal and plant-based diets. Plant-based only, when you're only eating plants, you're a very strict vegan, it is much more difficult to get in all of the essential amino acids it's not impossible but it is much more difficult and so it's just something to be aware of that if you are vegan that branch chain amino acids might be of value to you because you might not be getting all of the variety of amino acids that you need to you might be getting ample protein but you might not be getting all of the essential amino acids to actually make a profile that allows you to you know maintain muscle or build muscle so just be very careful if you are vegan vegetarians still very easy to get in all the protein you need because you're still having eggs, you're still having dairy, Uh, and eggs is actually a complete protein in that it contains all the essential amino acids. Now, I just want to say very clearly that you don't have to have in one meal a product or a food or something that contains all of the amino acids in one hit. It's as long as you get them throughout your day then you're fine. And this is where these products play on that kind of lack of knowledge that you probably have around branched genome acids, saying that if you don't take our product, then you don't have the building blocks to protein synthesis, and so you must take our product post-exercise because you're then getting a hit of a product that's got all the essential amino acids in one go, making you feel as though if you don't get our product in, you're not getting all the essential amino acids in that your product, your workout's been an absolute waste of time. You're going to lose muscle, uh, you're going to lose strength, and all these different things is what they're insinuating, but not giving you all of the facts. And what I've just kind of laid out there for you is that you don't have to have a complete, you know, amino acid profile in each individual food. If you got, you know. I think from memory it's 9, it might be 11. I'm sorry if I've got that correctly, but it's one of those. It's 9 or 11. There's 9, I think it's 9, there's 9 essential amino acids. So you might have a piece of steak and that's got 6 of them and then you might have some broccoli and that's got 2 of them and then you might have some cheese and that's got the other one. Like As long as you're getting all of those essential amino acids in your foods and products that you're having throughout the day, you're fine, you do not have to have them in one big go and make sure that every food you have has all of the essential amino acids in everything and then, it, if it doesn't, then it's been a waste of time so that's absolutely not the case now, is it? Or do you need to have branched-chain amino acid supplements? absolutely not and I would, unless you're vegan as I said, vegan is a, a borderline one I don't know enough about the vegan diet to sit here and say that you must have them but I will say that a lot of vegans are not getting enough or a big enough diversity of amino acids and protein um, protein in their diet, so they might be lacking in some of these. But if you are eating an animal and plant-based diet, so you're eating all products, and you're eating at least your 1 to 1.5 grams per kilogram of uh, body weight in protein, then you will be getting enough of all essential amino acids from the food that you're eating or supplements that you're taking, meaning BCAAs are an absolute waste of time. And if you haven't heard my podcast with Alan Aragon, Alan is one of the foremost researchers in the world and he's done a huge amount of research, not only on BCAAs, but a whole heap of other things. And he's got an an incredible quote that I think sums up the, answers the question, are BCAAs kind of, as, like are they needed? Should you be taken? And he says, basically, taking BCAAs when you're consuming enough protein is like turning on the sprinkler while it's raining. It's just not necessary in that the garden is getting plenty enough rain uh, water from the rain it's getting from the sky. You don't need to add the sprinkler on at the same time. Same thing with you. If you're eating enough protein throughout your day, and that's what I'm saying, 1 to 1.5 kilograms. I know before when I was talking about protein and protein powders that I sit there and give my clients 1.5 grams per kilogram. That's to improve optimal performance and actually help you move forward and progress. But if you're just trying to maintain and you know just kind of sit where you are, 1 gram per kilogram would be ample enough protein. And even at that level, you're going to probably get all of the essential amino acids. So then adding a BCAA supplement on top of that is just an absolute waste of time. They're just completely wasted. You're already getting all the essential BCAAs that you need, so why take a supplement that's got them in them? So to answer the question of are they necessary, absolutely not. I haven't taken a BCAA in years. Um, They're an absolute waste of time, and most of them are quite expensive. Now, some people say they taste delicious, though, and I just like having it in my water because it makes my water taste nice. It means I drink more, and then just as a kind of insurance policy, I'm getting my BCAAs as well. Now, if that's where your standpoint is, great, go for it. Personally, I would um, swap that up and do what I do, is that I just have a zero-calorie cordial. I'm like you. I mean, I love water. I've got no problems with water. But having something that tastes a bit sweet is always nice. And so I always just add a little bit of raspberry or tropical or lemon kind of flavored zero-calorie cordial into my water, and that gives me my flavor there. I know I'm getting enough protein in, so I don't need to waste my money on the BCAAs. And like a zero-calorie cordial is far cheaper than a BCAA supplement. So if you're not the fan of water and you go, hey, well, I've heard these BCAAs taste really nice. Yeah, they do, but just have some cordial instead of uh, the BCAA. So steer clear of BCAAs, save your money. If you're vegan, just be mindful that you might not be getting enough um, protein and enough variety uh, and diversity of protein that you might be lacking in some of these. So maybe a BCAA might help you out. I'm going to talk very quickly on, excuse me, on vitamin D. I don't, again, know anywhere near enough information on it to kind of sit there and say to you, here's the ins and outs of vitamin D. This is the brand that you should be having. This is the amount of vitamin D you should be having. I just want you to understand that vitamin D is crucial in your health and well-being, not only for your bone health, but there are many, many studies starting to come out because I'm getting more and more fascinated about mental health and people's uh, you know, struggles with mental health these days and why have we seen such a huge increase in mental health. Now, there are correlational studies, and you've heard me say time and time again that correlation does not equal causation. But to say, or to go further on that and say, when we're looking at more and more people who are suffering from mental health issues, a lot of them are low on vitamin D. Now, why might that be the case? Well, a lot of people who suffer from mental health issues aren't people who go outside very much, might be quite recluse and stay inside, stay antisocial and you know, stay within themselves. We get a lot of our vitamin D from being outside and being in the sun and you can get pretty much your hit of vitamin D by being out in the sun and exposed to sun for about 20 minutes a day. So if you are in a a climate and you're getting outside that sees... Sorry. If you're in a climate that's seeing, you know, adequate sunshine each day you're getting outside, you're getting your 10,000 steps in, you're walking a lot, you're moving, you're socializing, you're running, you're working out in the park, you're walking the dog, all these kinds of different things, you'll be getting plenty of vitamin D, so there's no need to be taking that. But if you're someone who stays inside a lot, especially in the world we're living at the moment, we're spending a lot more time indoors, vitamin D is one of those things that I think you should be supplementing, and to that point, to those people who live in the very far Northern Hemisphere, those Scandinavian countries, the top end of Europe, uh, you know, Canada's of the world, and places like that they're getting in the winter time very little sunlight because obviously the days become very short. They can be very cold. And so going outside um, you know, is a much more difficult prospect and seeing sunshine even if you are going outside because you're going to be so wrapped up in so many different um, coats and things like that. You're actually not going to be exposed. Your skin is not exposed to that sunshine even if you are outside. Vitamin D supplementation is crucial. And so I would absolutely... I, so vitamin D supplements are so cheap now that no matter what time of the year, if you're in those very northern hemisphere um, countries, I'd be taking vitamin D all the year round. If you're in, you know, like I'm in Australia. If you're in most of the Americas, South Americas, and across, you know, Asia and places like that, you're probably seeing plenty enough sun. You probably don't need to take them. But around winter time, taking vitamin D is probably a, a beneficial thing. So there's so many benefits to vitamin D to your health and your well-being, your bone health and absorption, and it helps with absorption of other um, nutrients and things like. There's so many good things of vitamin D, and I cannot see any potential negatives from it. And as I said, as I dive more into wanting to learn more about mental health, there just seems to be a correlation of people who suffer from mental health issues tend to be very low on vitamin D. Now, as I said, that's not saying that's a causation. And I'm not saying if you just start taking vitamin D tomorrow, you're going to solve all your depression issues. That's not the case. But it wouldn't hurt. And so if you do suffer from mental health issues, getting outside more, having a vitamin D supplement and doing these things that can kind of help boost your vitamin D would help in a big way. As I said, not as a cure, and so please don't take that as this is just going to cure and kind of make everything um, happy and hunky-dory, but absolutely kind of making sure that you're good on vitamin D I think would be a good thing. So vitamin D, take it. I absolutely take it myself. Get onto it. And to kind of just go into those pill type things because they're normally just a vitamin D tablet. Other um, tablets that I do take on a semi-regular basis, I said, it might be seasonal sometimes, just uh, during the winter months uh, I tend to be more on my pill-based supplements just because I'm not as active, I'm not getting outside as much, I don't feel like I'm in my best place during these winter times. Taking a multivitamin, again, I think is a good insurance policy. Uh, and then taking some fish oil tablets uh, as well. So they're the other kind of ones that I would be taking in that kind of form of tablet-type supplementation. Vitamin D, absolutely crucial. If you're also taking some fish oil tablets and taking a multivitamin, I don't think uh, you can go wrong. Um, As I said, everything and these are supplements. They shouldn't be kind of, uh, instead of eating a quality-based diet that has plenty of nutrients or nutrient-dense foods and fruits and veggies and grains and lean proteins and things like that. But... As an insurance policy to go along with that, having these things, I think, would be a great thing. I got asked again a lot about collagen. Um, again, it's not a topic of conversation that you know is you know high on my radar or of you know kind of I guess expertise. on my opinion, I will say again another plug for one of my podcasts. I talked to the fitness dietitian Leanne Ward a couple of months ago. We did touch on the topic of collagen uh, and kind of what it's good for how it helps out and all those kinds of topics and whether you should be taking it. She's very pro taking some sort of collagen supplement or collagen powder. Um, So I'd look into that podcast, go back and have a listen to that. But just to kind of give you, you know, what is it and why would you potentially be taking it, you know, there has been some studies that uh, college, you know, taking a collagen-based supplement has been associated with a number of health benefits, uh, you know, to improving skin and wrinkle and dryness, and helping with increased bone mass, muscle mass, um, and relief of joint pains and things like that. Again, I don't think that it's going to be the cure to everything that you you know might be of issue right now, um, but again, as an insurance policy, it might be something that you know you might want to kind of uh, you know dabble with or experiment with. but the big key I want to say and I should have said this from the outset of this um, podcast today is that you've heard me in the past talk about my scale of shit that matters and right at the kind of bottom of that and saying what's most important, is getting in all of the quality foods and you know, making sure you're exercising plenty, making sure you're getting quality sleep, making sure you're as stress-free in your life as you can, and then moving up that um, kind of scale of shit that matters. The further we go up, the less and less and less important these things become. So why I say that is that if you're currently not exercising regularly, you're not really got great diet, you're not taking any attention into your sleep and your stress and things like that. And then you think, well, you know, to improve my health, what am I going to do? Adam said that, you know, collagen could be great. So I'm just going to take start, start taking that and it'll solve all my issues again. Start with the fundamentals that can give you the biggest bang for your buck. So, get quality sleep. Like it's the biggest return on investment you can. Spend more time on making sure you're getting quality sleep every night. Then make sure you're starting to exercise regularly. Make sure your meat is up, you know, 10,000 plus steps a day. Make sure you're eating well, getting in plenty of fruits and vegetables and grains and making sure your protein is up and all those kinds of things. Once you've nailed them, then you can start looking at these other factors that might have a 2% um, increase in your well-being and your performance and things like that. And all of these supplements, that's all they're going to do. They're going to give you a very ret- um, small return but that return when you're doing everything else might be the difference between taking you from you know a good performer to a great performer or feeling good to feeling great. So that's where I would be starting to implement any of these things that I've spoken about today. Until you've got those fundamentals down, don't even worry about supplements or you know what's the best supplement for this or what's the best supplement for that. Get down everything else and that's where you're going to find the biggest return and feel the best for. And then we can start looking at um, supplements. So... You know, to talk on collagen, as I said, we t- spoke about it with Leanne Ward uh, earlier this year. I'd go and have a listen to that podcast. But, you know, is it any better than normal protein powder? Should you be taking instead of protein powder, in addition to protein powder? You know, there's a lot of collagen powders now that, you know, have more protein in them and things like that. And so they're kind of protein collagen powders and different mixtures and different things. Again, I don't know enough about them to say, yeah, this is better over that or this is kind of the way you should go. And so, again, experiment with it. Go down to your local um, 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 nutrient store, nutrient store, supplement store, and things like that. Ask them about it. Do some more research on your own. But I've kind of given you a highlight of kind of what they might help with, but that's kind of where uh, I'm at with collagen. Um, The last thing I want to talk about is creatine. Um, It's single-handedly. I'm pretty confident I can say that, that Creatine is probably single-handedly the most researched supplement in the world. And time and time and time again, it has been shown to increase performance. Hands down, the number one product you can be taking to increase your performance in your exercise... Mostly in short burst exercise, so working out in the gym and doing strength training, or be it short kind of interval training on a bike or going for runs and things like that, absolutely will have a return on your performance. And a return on your performance, it will be quite noticeable um, in, in the short term, but kind of continuing along from there. Now, what is creatine? To simplify this as best as I can, is that think of your muscle as an engine, And in that engine, you've got to give it fuel. That fuel that our engine uses or that our muscle uses basically comes in the form of ATP, adenosine triphosphate, if I am correct. And creatine basically is a precursor to making that reaction happen. So the more creatine you have, the fast or kind of the more you can push that uh, equation moving forward. So the more energy you'll have. That's a really simplified version of kind of what that all is. But kind of think about... I don't know if this analogy is going to work for people listening in. But if you're a car person, it might kind of work for you. That Imagine a normal engine and then you put a turbo on it. That turbo forces cold air into the engine to make that engine got, has more power. If you've got more air, it mixes with the fuel. And then that fuel then obviously gives you more power. It's exactly the same thing as kind of what creatine is doing inside the muscle. And So if you have more creatine available, it means you've got more ability... ...to have more contractions going on... ...therefore you're going to feel stronger... ...you'll get more reps out... ...you'll be able to run faster... ...or perform um, at a higher intensity level. Now, I say all that and you go... ...oh my god, I've got to go out and get some creatine... ...right away now. I haven't taken creatine in 10 years. Again, everyone tries to look for the hack... ...or the shortcut that's going to... ...just be the magical thing that's going to help them... ...perform better, get results faster the end of the day, the fundamentals are what are most important. Putting in consistent work in the gym. Having a periodized program that is helping you progress forward in your strength training or your running. Having consistent running going in and having different sessions that are helping you build speed. And everything I talked about in last week's podcast around becoming a faster runner, helping to build speed, endurance, your lactate threshold, your VO2, and all those different things are going to help with your running. Until you've got the basics down... I think it is a complete waste of your time of taking a creatine supplement to help kind of boost your performance. Will you see a performance in boost if you're just going to the gym once a week? Probably not. But if you are someone who is routinely going to the gym three to four times a week, you've been consistent with that, you feel like you've reached a bit of a plateau that your weights, you know, your progress doesn't seem to be happening like it used to, you've been training you know, really consistent and really well for one to two years straight, then taking a creatine supplement will absolutely see an increase in your performance. You'll start to increase your strength again. You'll get more reps out. Your recovery might be slightly better, and so you might find that taking a creatine supplement could be something that could really help you out. But unless you've got that base down, do not bother taking them. As I said, I don't personally. My um, progress is still moving forward in with regards to my running. I obviously, haven't been in the gym for quite some time but I just don't take a creatine anymore because I just don't feel the need to because I'm just not in a position in my head where I think, oh, I'm just not getting enough you know, results out of my my training anymore. It's just not a factor that I'm even thinking about uh, these days. So for the average Joe Blow, I don't think creatine is of any use to you. But as I said, if you're routinely hitting the gym and you want to keep pushing forwards and you've just found yourself at a bit of a plateau, I think absolutely taking creatine could be of use to you. How do you take it? Well, a lot of people try and sell you the idea that you have to you know, load, have a loading phase on it and then kind of cycle in and out of that. Basically, they're just trying to make you use more of their products so you come back and buy more of it. Start taking 5 grams of creatine per day and stick to 5 grams of creatine per day every single day. There's no need to make that go up or down or change that in any way, shape or form. The next part will be, do you take it pre? Do you take it during? Do you take it after exercise? Again, it doesn't matter whatsoever. It tastes vile. So however you want to try and get it in, I used to put it in with my protein powder and I just mix it in through there. It's very grainy, so it doesn't dissolve very well. So having it in like a protein powder, you can kind of just throw it down and you won't kind of notice it there. I used to also try it with water, but then it just sit at the bottom. You get all these kind of, it was like grainy sand at the bottom of the kind of mixture Uh, Other people say they had it with apple juice because apple juice was sweet that kind of helped out so there's different ways of kind of taking it again. There's no more effective way at taking it just get it in five grams per day whenever you get it in and it'll kind of load your muscles up with more um, creatine that will then help you in your performance. So that's creatine. So I'm pretty sure I've gone over most of the things that were asked about. We talked about protein, we talked about pre workouts, BCAAs, vitamin D, and then fish oils and multivitamins, uh, collagen, and creatine. Honestly, I think that's all there really is. Again, we started off the topic, uh, or sorry, the episode about uh, fat burners and those kind of products. Uh, that's kind of, I think, everything that I can think of with regards to supplements. As I said, if I've missed something, and you're like, hey, you didn't talk about this feel free to hit me up. My email is down below. I'll answer any questions you got, or slide into my DMs over on Instagram. Again, more than happy to answer any questions you got. But I really hope, as I said from this particular podcast, that I've not only helped save you some time because you can just use this as a reference. Okay, what supplements are going to use? You know, what one might benefit me the most. But most importantly, I really hope this has saved you money because it is a as I said a multi billion-dollar industry these days, and so many of these companies and Fitspo and influencers and that are you know trying to sell you these products on the idea that, you know, I got jacked like this because I took this particular supplement. No one you see, or no company promoting a product, the person taking it, no one looks that way because of the supplement they're taking. More often than not, they're probably on gear put that aside. This person has trained for year after, year after year after year after year to get into that shape. That supplement they're taking is not the reason why they got to there. So just please keep your wallet away when you see, you know, an, a, an ad come up on TV or on Instagram or wherever it might be. You do not need any of these products whatsoever. But I think a protein powder would be of very uh, of use to people. Some vitamin D supplementation would definitely be good for you. And if you're someone who has been consistently training for years and you want a little bit of extra performance out of your training, then creatine might be a supplement you look at. Everything else, a complete waste of time, and I'd put your wallet away and don't bother ever buying it or trying to even experiment with it because, again, you're just going to be wasting your time and your money and you're probably not going to see any benefit to them whatsoever. So that kind of wraps everything up, guys. I really do hope you have enjoyed this podcast, um, I think we're on episode 93, so we're closing in on 100. I've got, the idea I've got for my 100 is a debate between um, two people uh, about whether sugar is bad for us or whether it's addictive and things like this and I've got someone who wants to talk that it is a very addictive substance and it's a very bad substance and we shouldn't have any and I've got someone else who's going to refute that standpoint so I'd love that to be our number 100 but just trying to organize these two guys has been very difficult to try and get them at the same time so just don't know if that's going to happen. The other thought I've got as my number 100 is I'm getting very close to doing my 1,000 kilometers of running in one year so I might just kind of have that as a topic of how I ran a 1,000 kilometers in a year. So I don't know which one's going to come first or how I'm going to get it, but a couple of ideas just for the up-and-coming big 100th podcast. And if you've been here for every single 93 and you've listened to them all, I really appreciate you being around. Um, I love you all. Thank you so much for the attention that you do give me. And uh, that's been another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'll be back next week. I love you all. Bye.